Welcome to the Therapy Deconstructed Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Wims, therapist, coach, and a UK chartered counseling psychologist. So my mission here is to talk about therapy in a way that's easy to understand and to dispel any misunderstandings and rumors about what therapy is, who it's for, and who it's not for. This podcast is my way of deconstructing the conventional wisdom and the media narratives about therapy and explaining what's what. I will offer you the tools and support needed to live the life you've always dreamed of living. So together, we can use our resources and understanding to help you to take advantage of this beautiful thing and live a life with the most possibilities. So let's pull back this curtain and remove the mystery, the secrecy, and the stigma attached to the whole thing. So welcome back to my podcast. I am so happy you've all joined me again. I love talking about misconceptions around therapy and the things that happen to us that impact our psychological health. But this month, I decided to give you all a very special treat. And we are speaking with my son, Jesse. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you for having me, Dr. Wims. (laughs) And the topic this month is change. And I thought of my son right away because he's had a lot of change in his life. And I think he's had a lot of change in his life that's probably shaped him. And I want to hear about that. And I want you all to hear about that because I think change can be really hard and it can also really impact our psychological health. So just thought, have a little casual conversation with my son, Jesse, about change and how he's experienced it in his life. So let's just dive right in. Part of the reason I thought of talking to you right away, Jesse, was because of our move to London when um, you were eight and you turned nine, I think shortly after we moved there, but you were very young and it was quite an experience, I think, for all of us, more than, more change than I think we even thought it was going to be. So yeah, what do you remember about that time? I remember you guys sitting me and my brother, Spencer, down in Waltham, Massachusetts, and just kind of telling us, hey, we're moving to London. And as an eight-year-old, I didn't really know what, I couldn't even point to London on a map. Like, and I, at that point, I probably had my entire life mapped out. I mean, you remember, like, I had plans to you know, following my brother's footsteps, play sports in our local town in Massachusetts, go even like go to the local college in in that town and do the same thing that you guys did, raise raise kids there. And then I remember just a a pretty immediate rush of panic (laughs) when you guys first told me. And I believe I ran out the room. I believe I like ran off crying. Yes, yes, Uh, you did. (laughs) Yeah, so... (laughs) That was definitely my immediate reaction, just because it was such a foreign concept. Um, it was very counter to what my eight-year-old life plans were up to that point. And can I stop you there? Because you just said something I think really important is even at, as an eight-year-old, you recognize that now, maybe not then, but even as an eight-year-old that you had a map in your mind, you had um, a bit of a plan based on watching your older brother grow up, even without maybe recognizing that. So the change, the move completely took that away. 
So I think I think when we think about change, I think that's something we have to recognize is that it's the kind of tearing to shreds any sort of maybe thoughts or plans that we have in our head, which keeps us feeling like we're a bit in control. So yeah, I think that was a very accurately put the way you said that, you know, you had you had a map and uh, we tore that up. Yes, you did. Um, no, that's, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say is the control piece, I think. I don't, I mean, do you remember how, how, was I anxious prior to moving? Like, was I an anxious kid before that? Um, you were, I don't know if anxious is what I would use, but you, you felt things deeply, you know, you, <laughs> you, you know, you, yeah, you were a little more of on the sensitive side, I would say. And maybe, yeah. I think what you're, where you're going is that you developed anxiety when we moved to London a bit. And I don't know, obviously, if we hadn't moved to London, how that would have, if, if it would have manifested itself for you. But no, you didn't, you didn't have what I would say anxiety prior to us moving. No. Yeah. Cause I remember that developing when we, once we moved there. And I, I think, yeah, I think part of that was a lack of control. Um, I think my anxiety was born or like at least my overt anxiety was born out of feeling out of control of my own life. Not that I like was even conscious of it maybe before that. Um, but all of a sudden I'm leaving all my friends. I'm moving to a place I've never heard of. You know, I'm, I'm going to a school where I don't know anybody and all the kind of guardrails that I put up in my life to feel comfortable and a feeling control, like I have the power over my own life, kind of just immediately got stripped away. And I really, it's kind of panic inducing <laughs> for a little bit. And I remember just kind of, I mean, you remember it took a while for me to feel kind of comfortable living in London. Yeah. yeah. I think it was, you know, a couple of years there before I was really like at any place where I had a semblance of, you know, peace with it, I guess. I think it was like a, a pretty big transition there where like I, a lot of the times I just kind of felt tremendous amounts of like just fear and anxiety due to like what had happened. Cause it was just so kind of, it was, it felt kind of off the radar, kind of out of, out of nowhere that it was happening. Yeah. And it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, you know, a couple of years in until I really figured it out. I think not that it was like, figured out forever, but I think at least I was less crippled with my anxiety. And do you remember how that anxiety manifested itself for you? Like what, how did it feel and what did you, how did you behave with it? Well, I remember it like, like you even remember, like I got, I developed like some OCD with stuff. Like I needed, I needed things to be in a certain place in my room. I needed like our house to be, I, I didn't like when other things changed, like mundane things changed because everything else was changing. So I wanted like something to feel just like consistent <laughs> a little bit. And I would get, remember I would get panicked with like sleeping. I was like afraid I wasn't going to be able to fall asleep if it was like when we would travel or get jet. It wasn't even that. It was just like, I would late at night when I was alone, that's when I would really feel it. Um, I could probably, I could get through my day. I could go to school and have fun. And I was, I had friends, but like, it would be like end of the night alone with like my own thoughts. I just as a kid and be like, where the 
heck am I? Mm-hmm. And kind of feeling all of a sudden it would kind of, you know, all come back and I would get really anxious. Um, and I'd wake you guys up sometimes and just like be kind of stressed out crying. And I think that was a huge, and I think it, it made me a little more introverted also. Like I did have friends, but I think prior to that, I was a pretty outgoing kid. I would always be very, you know, social. I would be able to make friends very easily. But I think I became fairly introverted when I was meeting new people just out of fear. And I developed kind of a, a I became more self-conscious because I was in this new place. Mm. And I was like noticeably you know, you're American in England. So it's obvious the way you talk, you know, you get made fun of because it's kids are annoying. And I was also very tall. I was like, I stood out. So I couldn't even like blend in. I felt like I was kind of always on display. Um, and I think I chose to retreat as a result of that, as opposed to kind of just embracing it. It took me a while to figure out how to do that. But I think, yeah, I became pretty introverted and, and self-conscious there for for a while. Do you think at any point during that that you were conscious of why you were feeling that way as far as that it was the change, the unfamiliar, or do you think, because what I do remember also is that this is something I think really common with change is you then idealized where we came from and Waltham, Massachusetts became, I mean, I even said it to you. (laughs) I think I remember saying, you know, Waltham streets are not paved with candy. Like you really... That's all you wanted was to go back there. Do you think you blew that up in your mind as, as being somewhere perfect, like better? Or like, how, how do you think that worked? It was home. It was my home. And I and that at that point, I thought home was like a singular place where home was Waltham, Massachusetts. And I, I thought everything was better there. And I thought I would be happier there. And I remember just missing it. Like, and, and I think I was probably... I was probably conflating my just anxiety about change. I internalized that as meaning I miss Waltham and I'm sad mm-hmm. because I'm not in Massachusetts anymore, as yeah. opposed to just like my whole world got flipped upside down and I went through a pretty dramatic change. But as a kid too, it's hard. I, I just, I would, I associated it with like, I'm, I was, I was happy in London or sorry, I was happy in, uh, Waltham, but now I'm not happy in London, and it's London's fault as opposed to the change's fault. In my reaction yeah. to that, yeah, yeah. And as a eight, nine year old, that wouldn't have been. I don't think my challenge because I challenge. I was challenged too, and I don't think I thought about it being a result of a. Wasn't until later, I think, that I began to think about how change impacts our sense of happiness or comfort or feeling like we belong. And for us in particular, moving to another country, I think everything changed, you know. And so your the indicators out in the world that help define who we are, knowing the way to school, walking to school, the knowing people at the school, coming home and knowing the routine of where the refrigerator is and what you do and knowing your favorite snack and that it'll be there or that you can get it. All of that changed. And I think the indicators for who we were even was part of it too, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Now, we used to, I used to make everyone who visited us bring a case of Annie's mac and cheese just because like, <laughs> it made me. It wasn't because it's that good. It's because it, like, it made me feel like I was back home and it was like a nostalgia even at 10. Like I was like, oh, this reminds me of being home and I'm comfortable again. 
And I think, yeah, I think there's, you wrap all that stuff up into who you are. And it's scary to learn that lesson as an eight-year-old. I don't know if I learned it as an eight-year-old, but it's scary to learn it as a kid that I think I was realizing that you're kind of in a lot of ways responsible for your own identity. And it's not like the stuff around you and where you were like geographically located or whatever external factor you want to pick. Cause the second that gets ripped away, you're still stuck with you. And if you don't have like a good sense of yourself, then it's going to be really hard. And I don't think at, at, I don't think any child has that good a sense of themselves, but I think just in general, it's, it's hard because we wrap up a lot of our identity into external factors that actually have nothing to do with us. They're just circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with change, right. Whatever it is, whether, you know, it doesn't have to be moving out of the country, but anything that bumps up against what maybe we've used to define ourselves by, we might not even be cognizant that we do, but people go through it all the time. And a lot of people want to avoid change because of that, because it's such an uncomfortable feeling to feel stripped of or out of a comfort zone. So fast forward Oh, I guess we should say in the middle there, you, you know, you did adjust. <laughs> we were there for six years. So, yeah. It wasn't horrible the whole time, right? No. <laughs> as, no. The mo- as the mother, I have to hear that. But fast forward, then we came back. We moved back. And for me, I will say in some ways that was harder. And now that I've had time to reflect on that, for me, I think it was about the fact that I had an expectation that it was going to be easier. It's going home, which funnily enough, wasn't where I was born or anything like that. I'd already moved away from what would be considered home as far as where you grew up. So why do you think it was so hard for you as far as, you know, when we think about change and identity and your sense of self, what was the challenge in coming back? I think it's it's part identity uh, that you create for yourself with that. And I think the other part is once you do it once, I feel like and you, you do it once and you get over it. I felt at least I'm like, oh, I did it. Like, I know it's done. I know how to do this now. I've conquered it. I've conquered how to move mm. somewhere. Not realizing that going somewhere new yet familiar, moving back to Boston would have its whole other challenges. And like you said, like expectation, what your expectation of it is. I was expecting like, I'm, you know, we're going home. It's comfortable. It's going to be easy. It's going to be way easier than moving to London. And the expectation that I've, you know, conquered the idea of moving somewhere and dealing with like an aggressive change. And I think I kind of downplayed it to protect myself because I probably was still feeling all those anxieties. But I just was telling myself that I was ready and I could I could handle it. But it was harder. It was I, I had a harder time. I was older. But I, I, again, retreated into being an introvert, even though I had moved past it. I was very extroverted, uh, very social, very outgoing. By the time, you know, two, three years living in England, I come back to, a, you know, a high school in Boston and I retreated because the second I felt uncomfortable, it's fight or flight. Again, I think we all just experience that. Like you feel the, the nerves, you feel the uncomfortable feelings of being in an uncomfortable place. And it's that much worse because you're in, you're uncomfortable in a place where you were expecting to feel comfortable. So I, my response to that at the time was to just kind of freeze and retreat, retreat into myself. Like you remember, like my first two years in high school, like I wasn't, I didn't have like, I, I had friends, but I wasn't like doing, I didn't have a social life. Like I was 
the weekends. I was I was a 16, 17 year old and I was hanging out with you guys on a Friday <laughs> and Saturday night because I what I didn't have the I don't know what it was. I didn't have the the wherewithal or I didn't have the push internally to be like, I'm gonna make a life here. It still weird weird felt weirdly temporary. And I didn't like that. And I was, it was hard. It was, it was, it was like a very similar feeling all over again, but I was older and I was going into a situation where I thought I was supposed to feel comfortable and that made the Mm -hmm. uncomfortable feelings that much, that much worse. Yeah. And so thinking about this, you know, from a therapeutic standpoint, from a psychological lens, do you think this uncomfortableness, this anxiety, this feeling out of place or, or you know, the change, what do you think you said to yourself about yourself as a result of that? Because I, I think that's also something part of change that people are challenged by is that if they find it hard, if they find themselves sitting at home on the couch next to their parents on a Saturday night when they're 16, what is the feeling, what are you telling yourself about yourself as a result of those, um, of those feelings and the, your behavior? Nothing good. <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing positive. Like it's, I, like I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted to have a social life. I knew I wanted to be hanging out with friends. I was just scared. Like it was just, I was, I was scared to let people in, to let people really meet me and be myself. So I hid behind social awkwardness and just like lack of interaction, because if I interacted too aggressively, then people would actually see me and that scared me. So my uh, solve for that was to just retreat. And I think what I would tell myself was like, I would, I would just not think very highly. I would be like, I oh, know, you know, what, what do I have to offer? You know, I don't, they are not going to like what they meet. It was kind of like that it was like the, probably the sentiment of it. So I just chose to shield myself from them to avoid any pain that would be associated with that. Um, and it took a while to, to get over that because it was, it was a lot of negative self-talk. And I don't think that would have been the case if I was talking to somebody. Like, I think like you mm-hmm. had already become, you had your doctorate, you had become a psychologist by then, but you never, you know, you weren't, at least I, I wasn't consciously aware of you like, psychoanalyzing me (laughs) so so we weren't like having sessions no you kind of gave me the space to figure it out myself which i think i i needed in some ways um but i also needed to be able to talk to somebody and i think we we ended up having a lot of good conversations about it that led to me getting over that and led to me you know i think thriving as a result of all this change yeah so I want to get to the thrive part because I don't want people out there thinking I'm just a terrible mother that traumatized my son the rest of your life. Because I do believe, and I think we've had talked about this, how we've thrived as a result of what we've learned about ourselves, I think, from that change. But yeah, thinking about therapy and I think the misunderstandings about how therapy could have been been beneficial in that situation because, you know, it was circumstantial what what led to you struggling in London. Then again, when we moved back, it really had nothing to do with you as a person of your capabilities. It was the circumstances were very difficult. And anyone we talked to has gone through that and talked about that change and that difficulty. 
in thinking about the misunderstandings of how what therapy can do for certain situations that are circumstantial, I think they can be really beneficial to get to maybe some helpful ideas for you quicker than maybe what you did on your own. So that idea that awareness that you were not speaking kindly to yourself, we know that negative self-talk only adds to what, you know, if we're already feeling low or feeling anxious, that then our own voice comes in and just bullies us and, and continues that. So we know from research that if you can start really paying attention to that self-talk and eventually be able to uh, be much kinder and compassionate towards yourself, because what you should have been saying to yourself was, wow, Jesse, this is really hard. Good for you for getting up every day and trying. Good for you for um, challenging yourself. Um, what could you do today that you think would make you happy in the school or happy at home? You know, you want to really be your own best friend and be as kind as kind to yourself as you can because what's going on is really hard. And so beating yourself up for struggling in, the, in something that was really hard is is not going to help. You know, you're bullying yourself. So I think, don't you think therapy could have been beneficial there in sort of helping you identify quicker that maybe you were your own behavior and, and thinking patterns were not helping you at the time as much as they could. Yeah, 100%. And I even, I mean, I didn't necessarily go to therapy, but you remember I had, there was the, we had the counselor at at school. And then when I did my year of boarding school, I saw the counselor too. And I was essentially having therapy. I don't, you know, it's not with the, you know, it's not the same thing, but I was talking finally. It was with someone who I could actually get these feelings out and say, here's how I'm feeling anxious. And I don't really know why. And I don't know why I'm acting the way I am. I don't know why I don't have more friends. I don't know why I'm not being more social because I want to be um, and being able to kind of just have someone to talk to, you know, on a, on a lesser scale than actual, you know, doing therapy. I would have much rather looking back if I actually would just do, did therapy. But that was, you know, it made things click, actually being able to talk about it and develop strategies to, to deal with this anxiety. Mm-hmm. especially for young men. I don't, I don't think we seek that out. And you know what I mean? Like I wasn't telling you the half of it of like what I was feeling. Like, cause I was just like, I didn't, I wanted to fix it myself. Like I wanted yeah. to do it because I thought I could. And I thought I was, to be honest, that it was almost like an admission of defeat. The second I was like, I need to talk to somebody, which is the exact opposite of reality. Like that's not no one can do it alone. So it's, 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 it's okay. And it, it's necessary. And I'm glad we're going to get to the part where I started doing well, because I feel like this entire podcast, people are just thinking I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm a terrible mother and you're a mess. That's, that's the end. The end. No. We did, we did figure it out. People listening, we, did. we, we resolved it and we've, we've come out on the other side in a better, in a better place. Yeah. So the the thriving part, because, you know, you were just saying the anxiety that you finally started talking. And I think a misunderstanding around therapy is that, you know, something has to be really wrong. Can it just be that life is hard? (laughs) And sometimes you need to talk to somebody to sort of sort through it. And also, you know, you had a psychologist at home, but I was your mother. I am your mother. So I remember when you told me that you started to go talk to somebody, I was thrilled. Because I also knew that, you know, there's baggage between a mother and a son and, you know, me feeling guilty that maybe I 
was responsible for some of this or just things that get in the way of us be able, being able to just talk about it. Some people might think, well, just talk. You can talk to your mother, you talk to your friend. I did an episode on, you know, how goat yoga is thought of as therapeutic. You can do those things, but a trained therapist, I think, is a counselor, is somebody that can actually help you get to the root of it quite quickly and maybe help you understand some things that, you know, from their detached, you know, they're not involved in your life. They have no, they have no skin in the game. You are uh, somebody that's come to speak to them and they can be present and be, you know, completely unbiased in that listening to what you're talking about. So just to say that, I wanted to say that I think I'm really glad that you did that. And I really think that that can benefit anyone, no matter what's happening, even if it's just something that they want to talk about for, you know, a few sessions or something like that. Okay, so let's, let's move to thrive, change and thrive. So yeah, so how did you end up thriving? Um, <laughs> I remember on the return to Boston, we did I would, you know, it was four more years or something like that in Boston before I did went to college. And the first two back in, in American high school were hard. And then it wasn't, you know, through some work and what we talked about having conversations, being able to talk about it, feeling more comfortable within myself and judging myself less harshly, I think was a big part of it. I felt less of a need to put a judgment on how, who I was and how I was. And I was able to kind of free myself slightly and I remember heading into that third year back, feeling confident again, like in, in having less of a worry about people seeing me. And it took a little bit throughout that third year. I remember to, to really embrace that. And then I remember that fourth year, actually, it was conscious because the third year, I don't think it was conscious. It kind of just happened. My fourth year when I went to boarding school, I remember consciously thinking, I'm going to own it. Like I'm going to come in and I, it was a new school. I didn't know anybody. So it was, a, it was kind of a second chance at it, going to a new school, meeting new people, not having a frame of reference really. And I made the concerted effort. I'm like, I'm going to let these people see me for better, for worse. And it was a very formative year for me because I realized like, oh, people actually like you when you're authentic <laughs> and you are yourself and you're not hiding. And I was there. I was at the school a year, if not even a school year. And I thrived like I was uh, I was turning into kind of the, the adult that I was going to be who didn't care about being seen. who didn't care about being on display, like being the person that I always was, but was just scared to show people. And I remember that year being that for me and making a conscious decision for that. And then that led to me making a decision for to seek out more change. I went to college in California with that, like across the country from you guys. I knew no one other than some like my grandparents and extended family who weren't nearby. They're in the same state, but I was going in totally blind and I chose it this time. And I think everything that led everything in my childhood from London to coming back to all that, that led to me being, it, I, I had come full circle and it was no longer this change happening to me, but me actually realizing that, no, I want this change. Mm. This is good for me because every time it's happened, I've grown and I've, develops like beautiful relationships and experiences through life that I don't, I probably would have been scared to seek out had I not been through what I went through as a child. 
Yeah. But the learning about yourself, I think, is, you know, because, you know, it's we're not here saying that you have to move to London in order to find yourself. But I think the idea that you just said the the moves and the changes helped you understand something about yourself, you know, and maybe that's what change is really about. Maybe change is actually there to disrupt our comfort zone so that we can then look at ourselves in a new light and begin to recognize that, you know, how we define ourselves often is too small. You know, it can be too sort of insular or or small in a cozy little way of, i born and raised here, this is where I live, this is what I know, this is who I am. I have nothing against people who don't move, but I think a beautiful side effect, shall we say, of the challenges that you went through, the moving and the identity and the control, these all came up because you had an idea that at eight of what your life was going to be. And it was turned out to be nothing like what you mapped out. That You don't have to move to London for that to happen to you. Most people don't get the life that they have mapped out. And so if you can start to be a bit more flexible with that, flexible with how you define yourself, flexible with who you are in not maybe these hard fixed kind of ideas, maybe that's uh, some of what the growth is that can come from this challenge of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I think that's important too to like say like, you don't, you do not, just to reiterate, you do not have to move to London <laughs> to to go through this kind of stuff. And I think that's, it's a lot more manageable. And I think it, it, for me, the kind of kid that I was, it may have taken a drastic change like that to kind of shake me out of it. But there's little decisions we make every day that either reinforce or challenge who we think we are. And I think that is life. And I, and I think it's inherent that there's daily going to be things that come across your table that challenge who you think you are and who maybe who you've decided you are. And I think we can get in our own way because mm-hmm. it's comfortable and it feels good to be like, I kind of know who I am. I have this identity. I get it. And then when anything counter to that pops up, we retreat a lot of the times mm-hmm. or we fight it mm-hmm. or we, mm-hmm. we get mad about it. Like a person who's like, I'm just, that's just the way I am. I think we, we tell ourselves that story a lot because that's just the way I am. And I think I realized at an early age, I was privileged enough to realize at an early age that, you know, we're a lot more malleable than we realize. And beyond just the drastic moves, just like decisions I made post kind of figuring that out had a huge impact on me. Just like I decided to like study race in college. Like, I don't know if I would have did that had I not kind of gone through those struggles in the past. Like just weird Mm -hmm. decisions that were counter to somebody who looks like me, who is me, who identifies as like a straight white guy, you know, who's like a six, eight athlete growing up. And, but I, I didn't feel boxed in by that anymore because of the change that I had experienced. And I think that's important. Like it's a lot more manageable than I think we realize to make little decisions that can make a lasting change forever. And they'll inform every decision you make beyond that. Yeah. And I I heard this wisdom from uh, one of of my Peloton instructors the other day. They said, you never, you never don't feel the pain of exercising. You just get used to it. And I, and I was like, oh my God, that's so true. Because when you just start up again, you're like, oh, my legs hurt and I'm stiff and I, 
you know, I can't breathe and whatever happens. But then if you do it regularly, you get that, you know, that feeling, you know, your legs are going to be a little sore, you know, you're going to be breathing hard or you're sweating. I feel like, because you've gone on now to move a few times, you also did in semester in South Africa, you've put yourself in situations to have different environments, almost purposely now, it feels like in some ways. And it's still hard. I'm sure it was still hard. You moved to Chicago, you didn't know anyone. We had a mutual friend, but it wasn't like you moved into your own apartment all by yourself, started a new job, didn't know your colleagues that, you know, in that way. So do you think it's that, like, you knew the feelings were going to come, the loneliness, I don't know kind of who I am in this city, nothing's sort of bumping up against my identity so much as it's all different. But do you think then it didn't go to the depths that maybe it went to before with anxiety and, and sort of a, a bad sense of self because you were used to that feeling, you almost maybe even expected it? Yeah, 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 definitely. I think the the I think the exercise analogy is spot on. I think it's it doesn't go away. You just get used to it. And I think the, all the spots, like you know, I can't you know I, don't even, I can't even count the times I moved at this point. But each time moving to London, moving back, going to California, Chicago, those first few times, each time my first night, I remember crying myself to sleep. Remember, it went, and it's always that night when it, the, the dust settles and you're alone with your thoughts and you finally, the weight of it kind of hits you finally. And it's overwhelming. <laughs> like it's, you're finally confronted where you, you, all the distractions are gone and you're just alone in a dark room with your thoughts. And you're like, where the hell am I? What did I do? I don't know anybody. I'm scared. And it would lead me to tears. And then until my most recent move to Chicago and I, but I, because I expected it and I knew, all right, first I knew I was like first night, and I was kind of like, I was kind of dreading it. I was so excited to move to Chicago, but I was dreading that first night because I knew the first night was the hardest one. And the feelings came. It was the end of the night. I was sleeping on a mattress on the floor with a TV on the floor. That's about all I had at that point. And the feeling came. I was alone. It was in a dark room, but it I didn't feel overwhelmed anymore. The feelings came. The anxiety came. All the the, rem, the familiar feelings of being in an unknown place came. But I didn't feel out of control anymore. I did the panic wasn't the same mm-hmm. because I, I'm like I've been here before. Like I I know these roads. <laughs> it's gonna get better. Yeah. Like in yeah. a, in, a, in I know in a few months I'm like I'm not even gonna remember this. Like I'm gonna be having so much fun. I'm gonna meet new people. I'm in an exciting new place, and I get to explore and I get to make this place a home. And I think that's across the board. But like again, taking it away from just moving making a decision that's changed and is uncomfortable and making you feel unsafe and unsecure and out of control, you're always going to feel like that. And I think we tell ourselves that that's bad, that we feel like that. Um, but the difference is most recent time for me was like, I almost welcomed it because I, I felt mm. like, okay, we're, we're living again. We're like, our juices are flowing. All right, it's, it's, it's go time. And it's time to make this place a home. Like you've done everywhere else you've been. Um, like yeah. every other change you've been through you've you've made yeah. it your own and that's just that's just as a result of <laughs> that's just volume at that point it's just I'm, I'm i'm used to it and the more you make those decisions the more you get used to it and you act then you start craving it and it doesn't you know it doesn't scare you as much it's like i talk about this with clients where we realize i don't think we realize it but we're making these if then statements in our head so if i feel scared then what 
what are you saying about yourself to yourself if you feel scared? And I think you were just saying there, I still got scared. But this time you didn't say, Jesse, you're scared. That means you're, nobody wants to get to know you. It doesn't, you know, you just said, yeah, I'm scared because look what I've done. This is very familiar. I know this. So the if then statement got fixed or, or changed. If I'm scared, that means I'm challenging myself or if I'm scared, that means this is new and of course it is or because we do it to ourselves, you know, the call is coming from within the house. We're doing our own negative uh, interpretation of how we feel. So the feelings are real and we can't deny them. We can try to, but, but they are what they are. We don't make them up. They come. It's what we say to ourselves about feeling the way we feel. And so I think what you're saying here is Chicago finally gave you the opportunity to say, yeah, come on, come on feelings, but I know what you are. And I've, I've had this before and I know what this means. And it doesn't mean that I am not worth it or it doesn't mean that I should retreat. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means it's new, period. Circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And an ability to separate yourself from your thoughts and your feelings. In a, yeah. Developing an ability to be like, this isn't me. This is what I'm yeah. feeling. I'm feeling yeah. this way, but I am not my feelings. I am able to separate myself from that. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so we got from, we got from struggle to thrive. I th- I'm glad we got there. because There was I, a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Jesse. I've enjoyed chatting with you about this topic. It's um, an important topic, I think. And I think if people are struggling with how they feel about themselves as a result of change and change can be anything. If it, resonates with you as something that is difficult. To me, that's the opportunity for you to, if it's therapy that you need, or to talk with somebody to get those thoughts out so that you recognize what you're saying to yourself about this. It's far more important for you to be able to speak about that than even the change itself. The change itself is the change. It's how you then interpret yourself in that change. And um, yeah, This has been fun talking about it, even though, you know, I might get some hate mail. I, (laughs) we, yeah, we've had a lot of challenges with that, but I think I'm really proud of how you've handled them. And I think it's something that has shaped you into somebody that's willing to do things, who knows what, in, because the world is a lot smaller, I think, to you now. And I, I love that. I notice when I'm not making decisions that are challenging and I don't feel as good when Mm -hmm. I'm in the habit of being safe and in a routine and not challenging myself. I feel different and I feel worse actually Mm -hmm. now that's, that's, and it's 100% as a result of like slogging through some dramatic change and, and I'm 100% for the better as a result. 100% for the better. I'm going to take that. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to make a t-shirt. <laughs> thank you. And thank, thank you. everybody for listening. This has been our October podcast. And uh, I hope you find it interesting. If you want to drop me a note about it or check the show notes for um, any references that we made or how to get in touch with me. Thank you, everybody. See you later. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope you've learned a thing or two that you can apply today. 
To explore further or to get in touch with me, just visit my website at bonniewims.com. There you can book a complimentary 30-minute online video session to ask me any questions and determine if working together feels right for you. Or you can submit your questions about therapy and I'll do my best to offer answers on an upcoming episode. Remember, therapy might not be for everyone, but it may be right for you.